0: Welcome once again to Leto's Law. Here's Steve Leto. A couple people tipped me off to a story from the Institute for Justice. And I've mentioned before that I love those people. The Institute for Justice will often step in and take care of cases and handle cases on behalf of people who can't afford to hire attorneys otherwise, often involving civil rights, personal rights, and the kinds of cases that (sighs) a lot of people think aren't worth the fight, except on a matter of principle. The Institute for Justice will take on such a thing. So, um... Misty and Daniel both sent this to me. West Virginia judicial field trip. Now, this story was in the news. I don't think I did a video on it when it happened. And there were a bunch of different versions of this story floating around out there. And I was kind of waiting for something to happen that would make sense for me to do a video about it. And here you go. Man fights to uphold court ruling that judges aren't above the law. Judges are not entitled to do whatever they want and then demand a special treatment just because they happen to wear a robe at work, but that's exactly what happened in Raleigh County, West Virginia. During divorce proceedings between a man named Matthew and his ex-wife, the Raleigh County Family Court judge, Louise Goldston, personally forced her way into Matthew's home to search for items that were in dispute. Goldston accompanied by Matthew's ex-wife and the ex-wife's attorney, among others, walked through the house, ordering Matthew's ex-wife to seize DVDs, yearbooks, and even pictures off the wall. So there's a court hearing going on between these parties in court. The judge is there, the parties are there, their attorneys are there. They're squabbling over who gets what, which, by the way, is... Problem number one in most divorces. If there's kids involved, it might be problem number two, but it's near the top of the list. Who gets what? Whose widget is this? And so apparently, in the middle of the hearing, the judge goes, I got an idea. Let's go to your house right now and dig through your stuff. Now, here's the problem. When a judge makes a ruling from the bench like that, how do you object to it other than to just object to it for the record? So you object to if the record the judge goes overruled, let's all meet out at your house." And the judge and opposing counsel and your opponent in court, which is of course going to be your future ex-wife, are walking through your house, and the judge is going, "You want that? it's yours. you want the- oh is that yours? take it um, That's not how you conduct a hearing among other things, one of the reasons that hearings take place in courtrooms is that in most places. Hearings are recorded by a court reporter or a recording system that's overseen by a court reporter so that there's a record of what happened. So if you then later up on appeal, for instance, say, hey, the judge said this, court of appeals, judge is going to say, where'd they say that? Show it to us. If You say, oh, well, she said it standing in my living room during a court hearing. They go, what do you mean a court hearing in your living room? That doesn't make any sense. So there's no record of this happening. But here's the thing. The guy tried to make a record, and he got in trouble for it. So some of the items did not belong to the ex-wife. But the judge said, well, you can take that if you want to, even though it wasn't hers. Now, here's the thing. There's going to be disputes. Whose widget is this? There's no name on it. Do we have the receipt? Did one of us buy it for the other as a gift? What's the story behind the widget? However... When the judge is walking into the house going, oh, you want that? It's yours. That's hardly a a fair hearing. Now, I suppose it's possible that when they stopped at a picture on the wall, the judge may have said to one side, tell me your side. Okay, other side, tell me your side. Okay, I'm going to pick a winner between this. Because that might be what would happen in court. But it doesn't sound like that's what happened here. This is not exactly a judicial proceeding. So when Matthew tried to record the encounter... The judge threatened to arrest him. (laughs) How do you know that what the judge is doing is wrong? She wouldn't let him record it. So if you're doing something that is not wrong and you are a judge, you let somebody record what you're doing. Otherwise, it would look like you know you're doing a bad thing. So the judge threatened him with arrest. Goldston, that's the judge, was ultimately censured and fined and roundly condemned by the West Virginia High Court because she violated the state's code of judicial conduct. I mention this all the time. Attorneys have a code of conduct. Judges have a code of conduct. And their code of conduct is actually higher than that for attorneys. Meaning they have to behave as good as attorneys and better. Okay? So, when the judge did these things, the higher court said, what you did was wrong. So we now know that what she did was wrong. There's no question here. See, once in a while, I'll do a video and I'll talk about a gray area. A gray area. Is this right or wrong? There's two sides possibly here. But I will defer. I will defer to the Supreme Court of West Virginia. When they say this judge did something wrong, we are going to censure her and fine her for what she did And what she did was wrong. When the Supreme Court says that, I will say that is a fact. That is now accepted as fact. And you might say, Steve, who's to say they're right? Well, once in a while, we have to actually look at how these things are structured. I've mentioned before that most states, the courts are run by the Supreme Court. Supreme Court, appellate courts, and then the lower level trial courts. And so the Supreme Courts have supervisory authority over all the lower courts. So if they say that a judge did this and she's exhausted all of the litigation she can do to clear her name, well, then we have to go with the fact that she did this and it was wrong. So when Matthew sued for the egregious violation of his privacy and his free speech rights, Goldston argued that she was not liable for doing what she had done, even if she had violated the Constitution by invoking judicial Immunity. Judicial immunity. So we've heard of the qualified immunity that police get. And this is the same thing, but for judges. So when a judge is on the bench and a judge makes a ruling you don't like, and you sue them for making a ruling you don't like, that lawsuit will get thrown out because that's what judges do. They make rulings. If you don't like the ruling, the proper process is to appeal that ruling. And if you could sue a judge every time they made a ruling you didn't like, it would clog up the courts by every single disgruntled litigant on earth. So this makes sense that you can't sue the judge for doing her job. The problem is that she wasn't doing her job here. Her job is to come into a courtroom wearing a robe, sit on a bench, make rulings, listen to cases, and bang a gavel. So what's she doing in this man's living room in her bare feet? Because apparently he made her take her shoes off. (laughs) I'm not making that up. But one other thing you got to back up on is right now, literally right now, I want you to stop for a split second and say, if a judge and your worst enemy on earth got to come in and snoop through your house, you get to be there. But you don't have time to clean the house up. Literally, how does your house look right now? How does your house look right now? We all know it's embarrassing if somebody drops in unannounced and you'll quickly go and close a few doors. You don't want to look in your bedroom. Your bed's unmade, right? Um, Guess what? they got to go in the bedroom and look to see if there's anything in your hiding that belongs to the ex-wife. So they're snooping through your house with no warning in the condition it's in when you weren't expecting guests. And that's, that's a problem, too. But the bigger problem, of course, is just the fact that the judge and the opposing counsel... And your opponent are snooping through your house, and you have to let them not just snoop, but take whatever they like. So judicial immunity, as the name suggests, shields judges from liability only for things they do in their roles as judges. Goldston argued that she was entitled to judicial immunity's special protections for leading a search party through that man's house. So she says, I was simply doing my job. Well, the West Virginia Supreme Court's already said you weren't doing your job. Or if you were, you're doing it so poorly that they fined her and censured her and said it was wrong. And following her logic, going forward, there's now a precedent in West Virginia that if you want to, you can lead a search party through somebody's house. You might get censured by the Supreme Court, but you'll notice they didn't kick her off the bench. They left her on the bench. So that would happen. Judicial immunity is reserved for judicial actions and searching someone's home is not a judicial act. Just like police officers cannot act like judges, judges cannot act like police officers. Trial court correctly recognized this principle and denied judicial immunity for these actions. However, she is now appealing that to the 4th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. On appeal, Matthew is teaming up with the Institute for Justice to protect important constitutional guarantees by holding judges accountable. So, the lower court that heard this case has already said the judge was wrong. You can sue her. She's filed an appeal. It's up on appeal now. Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And the Institute for Justice has stepped in and said, okay, we will handle the appeal going forward. We'll see what happens here. So, It's an interesting and bizarre case. And and that's one of the things, I, I hate to even say this, but in the field of law, so many cases that we read about are the same things over and over and over again. So some of the interesting cases are bizarre, which get our attention. You know, I've said before, man bites dog. But here we have a case that is horrific. Now, the guy didn't get imprisoned, and you know he still has his house, but to go through that is just absurd, that he had to go through that. So I'm glad the Institute for Justice has stepped in on this. He's got fine lawyers now, and hopefully they can get the Court of Appeals to uphold that. I highly doubt that the Supreme Court would take this up. <laughs> I highly doubt it, especially when the state Supreme Court has already said this was wrong. So I, like I said, will defer to them, and they know their laws better than I do. When they say that she screwed up, I would agree with them that yes, she most likely screwed up. As I always do, to mention the Institute for Justice, I'm going to put their link in the description below the video. It's ij.org. And I would encourage you to investigate the organization and support them if you are so inclined. And if you have an Amazon account and frequently buy things from Amazon, which I'll admit I do, including the blue paper, I'm having my hand right here, I buy that off of Amazon. Um, you can set up an account on Amazon to where a very, very small slice of every purchase you make goes to any charity you choose. And you can designate the Institute for Justice, make sure it's the correct one, but Institute for Justice, and they will get a small slice. It will not cost you anything. This is money coming straight out of Amazon's pocket. So a, a, a very small portion of the purchase will get split off and sent to the Institute. And so I've had a lot of people contact me and say, Steve, you know something? I heard you talking about the IJ and about how we should support them. And I I generally don't have that kind of money to support charities. But when I heard that they do this through Amazon, it won't cost me anything. I did it. So if you can do that, great. If you can't or not inclined, that's fine. But I would still encourage you to go to their website and read the cases, some of the cases that they are supporting right now and they're fighting on. And it's, it's amazing. And, and I will tell you, and I'll admit that this is one of the problems of our legal system. There are people out there who've got extremely good cases, but they can't afford to fight them because they haven't got the money. And so the Institute for Justice steps into a gap like that and says, we will take care of you. And we're not going to charge you for our legal fees because the Institute gets its funding from other sources, including from the viewers of Steve Leto's channel for which I thank you, the greatest audience on earth. So West Virginia judicial field trip is one of the cases that the Institute for Justice is handling. IJ.org, I got the story from them. Misty and Daniel both sent that. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. At least I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Where can I find a man who has forgotten words so I can talk with him?